welcome again to episode 45 of our Brooklyn Bites. I am Leon. I'm Stephanie. (laughs) Uh, And we're here to talk about some games. Uh, Now, this past week, we celebrated some some birthdays, I I, I guess. You celebrated, I didn't. Well, I felt it was appropriate to celebrate. Um, It was... Uh, the anniversary of the launch of the Genesis mm-hmm. in the U.S. 26 years ago. Uh, yeah, on August 14th of 1989, the 16-bit Genesis console came to the U.S. Did you buy yours at launch? No, on? no, I didn't get a launch system. I got one later on. Uh, I think I got the core system. Oh, okay. So yeah. that was at least a good year into it. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't have a packing game. I had... So... Uh, I had the launch system, and I didn't. I, my friend bought it first, and that's why I heard of it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I wanted it for Christmas because I couldn't afford it. So I wanted it so badly that there was like I think the Sears catalog or something, a magazine. And I used to, I cut the there was an ad for the Genesis where it was like a TV screen with like Altered Beast on it, mm-hmm. and like the cartridges stacked up. It was like one of these like you know in a paper ad, and I cut it out and I had it on my wall right next to my bed so when i would lay on my pillow at night i would see the ad and i was like one day i want this thing <laughs> is it that's is, how obsessed i was is it that screen where he's the fire is like I think a so. around yeah i think head. that's how the ad was uh-huh. if i remember correctly yeah well i mean so since i got so i didn't get a launch system i since i got the core system i didn't get that altered beast pack in oh okay. you know so i didn't really associate it with that with the system at the time like this way that a lot. Of I always people feel like did. anyone who had a Genesis just automatically played Altered Beast. Right. Well, so that's but that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. So like it, that's the reason this week I wanted to go back and uh, play Altered Beast. For, you know, all the way through. So you never played it ever on Genesis? Just you know, arcade just to try it out. Do you play it in the arcade? I didn't. I didn't see it. Really? I don't remember ever seeing it in the arcade. To be honest, hmm. by then they used to have one near our house. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Um, I mean, well, and the other reason is that last week you talked about Amagon, and you talked mm-hmm. about a game that features a guy that turns into, like, a tougher guy. Right. And I asked you if, I, if you thought that was a good game to play, and you're like, no, you should play Altered, Altered Beast if you want. That's right, I did say that. If yeah. you want a game that features a guy that turns into another guy, <laughs> you know, into a tougher guy. So it made sense to play it for, for the launch. Um, now, it's funny, though, that, you know, like, obviously it came out in August of... 1989, um, but it was also a, a launch game for the Japanese release of the system. Yes, which was actually a bit earlier than that. Uh, it was originally released in uh, November 27th of 1988. So uh, the Mega Drive or the Genesis is a little now, older than that. I don't know if it was just mine that has it. My Altered Beast cart had Japanese letters mm. on the title screen. I noticed that, too, when okay. I brought oh, it up. Okay, oh, it is? Okay, I didn't know if that was just because I had an early version of it. Yeah, I don't know. When it came up, it definitely had the, the Japanese title. Okay. Um, uh, Juoki is how you say the Japanese huh. title for the game. Uh, loosely translates as The Beast King's Chronicle. Mm. So, that's probably appropriate. Okay. I suppose. Uh, so a little background about the game. Um, you're supposedly a Roman centurion that is resurrected by Zeus, right? To, to battle against, um, the God of the underworld, uh, who has kidnapped Athena, Zeus's daughter, Athena, 
has been kidnapped by uh, Neff. I don't know. Now, I've never heard this name Neff. Um, I always thought of, hmm. like, uh, you know, Charon or somebody. Or no, uh, it was like, uh, who's the god of the underworld in Greek mythology? I know Pluto was his name in... In, in Roman in terms, Hades, Hades yeah. So I, I don't. So I'm not sure how this is the god of the underworld. Maybe hmm. this is another name for him. It's kind of silly though that he would kidnap Athena because she's a goddess herself, mm-hmm. and she's the she's like the patron goddess of wisdom and strategic <laughs> warfare. Hmm. So it's like, how is this? How is she getting abducted? So and she easily? had her own game at one point. Yeah, right. <laughs> Among other things. Um. <laughs> But I guess he's, you know, somehow powerful enough to, to be able to do this. Okay. And you're given the task to get her back. Um, so your controls are simple enough, right? You have the A, B, and C buttons, which mm-hmm. are punch, kick, and jump. Um, and the D-pad in the manual is referred to as the D-button. <laughs> I never quite noticed this before. I, I think that was used a lot. Yeah. Was that the They the, did refer the term? to that as a button. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's interesting. I guess they can't use D-pad. I don't know when that stopped being used, but I do remember that being referred to as a D-button. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess the... the um, Basically, the, the hook of this game is that you can... You gather these orbs of power, right? And each level boosts your power up a little bit more mm-hmm. as you're fighting the creatures that, you're, that are in your path. And uh, eventually, you get to turn into some, some great beast, right? To, yeah. to get her back. Um, these gray spirit wolves pass by, and you have to make sure you hit them to get the the spirit ball that they kick those wolves. Right, I know. They're like the Okami wolves, right? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe those have some kind of significance in Japanese maybe. mythology. Um, that somehow got intertwined in in this whole thing. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Like well, I guess I guess you you don't always automatically get them. I mean, they they run past you pretty quickly in some cases. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is possible to miss them, and then you're not quite powered up enough to face the boss of the level. In which case, you have to continue on until you do get him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the level restarts if you if you miss it. Mm-hmm. So the uh, four stages are like you start off just like a normal normal looking human warrior type mm-hmm. guy. Um, T-shirt and pants, right? <laughs> I guess so. Um, the first level gives you some kind of fireball punch. It mm-hmm. gives, you, gives you like a little extra like power to your to your abilities. I always thought it was kind of funny, though, when as I was playing it. I noticed like, okay, so you have a little fireball thing around your fists as you're punching. But you also have it around your foot when you're kicking. <laughs> it just looks funny to me. Because that, that image is always associated with like some kind of fireball that with, you know, the... Mm-hmm. the comes out of your fists or something. Yeah, I think even if you do the upper kick, too, it mm-hmm. also... Right. I like that maneuver, too, where you're like kind of lie flat on your <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, lay down and just And you just kind of kick up into the air. Uh, that's for, like, overhead enemies, I suppose. Yeah, why not just punch up? Why do they have to, like, lay down? Mm-hmm. Like, that seems very complicated. It's like the Cossack dance. You know, those dances, those fancy yeah. Russian dances they are able to kick up in the air mm-hmm. like that? Kind of reminds me of that. Um, the next level of power, though, bulks up your body quite a bit. You're now this big muscle. His shirt dude. rips off like Hulkamania. Uh huh. But your head is like still the same size, so it looks very <laughs> odd. It's like very. I mean, I guess I shouldn't expect the head to get bigger, but mm. maybe the neck muscle should have been a little bigger, <laughs> a little more developed. Um, but then if you get the f- another another uh, sphere, then you you go into full altered beast mode, and now you have these awesome powers that it makes it very simple to like defeat anything around you. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't have much trouble once I hit that level. Um, so you start off in this area, right, called the graveyard, which is like supposedly the Acropolis at you know uh, at Hades. Uh, that's how the manual describes it. Um, I, the first thing I noticed was these these simple like zombie guys that are walking around, the ones that are like holding their head yeah. in one of the arms. They they can sucker punch you so easily. They would like mm-hmm. like you feel like you're just about in the right position to be able to hit them, and they just pop you one very easily. I just think it's uh, it's a bit cheap. The game is notorious for that. The arcade is even worse. It's mm-hmm. all cheap hits like that. Right. Well, I noticed this is going to be like a theme for this game mm-hmm. because it happens over and over again. Um, eventually, though, you do get to like some kind of wizard-looking guy, sort of. He's like, kind of in a robe. And he's got that electric field in front of him. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? So now if you're not powered up enough... Like, he's supposed to be lead to the boss battle, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not powered up enough, he'll just, like... He'll just do that kind of electricity kind of a thing, which you can't really pass him, or you can't really do anything to him. He just sits there doing that, that field effect yeah, for you, a while. Yeah, if you walk into it, it just get repelled. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, it just knocks you back. Um, but then it looks like he just gives up and turns around and just walks away. Like, yeah. it's almost like he remembered that he had something else There's, more important to do. screen auto-scrolls. Uh-huh. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um... But, you know, once you, uh, if you are, you know, ready to fight him, he, he, you know, you hear that signature phrase, that welcome to your doom, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, the first boss is this, I don't know, this boss named Agar. Yeah. The big cloud of smoke, right? Right. You get that big puff of smoke, which for some reason reminds me of like a steam, like it looks like steam to me. Cause I guess cause it's very white, mm. very, like it looks like white smoke, I suppose. Um, What's that guy's name? That big red... uh, Agar. Oh, Agar. Okay. Yeah, or Agar. I guess A G G A R. Huh, I didn't know they had names. Yeah, yeah. It's in the book. Hmm. Um, yeah, he keeps peeling off those demon faces. He's mm-hmm. like a. He's like a. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have legs. He's just like on this pedestal. It's like sort this of. mass of like. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Like red. It's just flesh. <laughs> like meat. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> With like faces and bones on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the fight's pretty simple. He just peels his face off and throws, keeps throwing them at yeah. you. And then things drop down. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take much to kill him. Uh, but, of course, what happens is the, the wizard's face, um, or, you know, Naf appears to you. And, um, you know, he shows up in a column of light and he takes away your powers. And that's the end of the first stage. And that's how all of them end, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, but these are very short stages, I noticed. It doesn't take a whole lot to get to the as end As long boss. as you get the, those three orbs, mm-hmm. the first run through, right. yeah, that's super short. Yeah, I'm surprised. Um, you could probably beat the game in under an hour, easily. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe definitely. even like, maybe a half hour? I don't know. I have to check if there's any speed runs on that. It is, uh, it goes by very quickly. Mm-hmm. Y- you end up in a cave on the next stage. Um, it looks kind of swampy. I, at first, I thought it was kind of like an outdoor swamp, but the yeah, it's, manual it's, described it as a cave. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's these funny Slimer-looking creatures that jump up. They're called round I leeches. I like those guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, they jump up and cover your head. Mm-hmm. And you're they just suck your like, head and you got to shake the controller. You're trying to shake them off mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, the other thing I noticed was there's these uh, chicken stingers. In, in, in the game. These low, yeah. They're kind of like These low. These are important characters, yeah. They are, right? Because they also appear 
in Golden, Golden Axe. Axe. Yep. <laughs> so it might have t- it might have believed that this is kind of the same universe. Is it kind of a similar setting? I, you know what? There's probably some kind of story about that. Mm-hmm. Because pretty sure this came first. Right. Yeah, it did. Um, these are annoying enemies, though. They're mm-hmm. like they're like kind of low to the ground, mm-hmm. and if you try to hit them, they block you, and then they just kind of inch closer and closer to you, and they just like swat you with their tail. Yeah, your reach is pretty bad when you're that, you know, the wimpy guy. But mm-hmm. once you get the two power-ups, then when you punch, you can reach much further. It's easier to kill mm-hmm. those guys. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't take long before I get enough of the orbs. You turn into uh, this flying, like, dragon man sort of, uh, <laughs> kind of a beast. Mm-hmm. And you've got these electrical-based attacks. Um but the thing is, though, I had a lot of trouble with the boss at the end of this level. The big watermelon plant? Yeah, it's this this watermelon eyeball monster Shooting looking the thing. Shooting spores at you. Uh, it's named Octize. Huh. Um, I, it seemed like I just wasn't doing a whole lot of damage. I was... Because, uh, you know, what he does is he sprays all these eyeballs at you. And mm-hmm. I'm busy either dodging them or trying to shoot them. And meanwhile, trying to hit the eye in the center of the creature. And... I just felt like I was not doing a whole lot. And I think when I mentioned to you, like how, you know, how much trouble I was having, you said, Oh, that's like the easiest boss in the game. It takes like two seconds. I'm like, really? What am I doing wrong? It's it's like notoriously, like ridiculously easy. Uh huh. Well, I mean, it turns out that you have, you can shoot electrical beams or you can fire up, um, this, this electrical field around you. Yeah. And apparently that's the best way to attack that creature. Yeah, you just hover right near the eye uh-huh. and you just do it like three times and he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried it again using that method and yeah, it was over in no time at all. <laughs> so that was apparently the right way to do that. Yeah. I think that works on the arcade version too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it, it, the other the other thing I should also mention is that in between each stage, you get like a little, a little image. You get like this, um, this like uh, crystal ball sort of looking kind of a scene. It's almost as if you're kind of seeing the progress that you're making mm. or what's going on behind the scenes as you're journeying through the game. Um, so I guess in the first one and after the first stage you saw, uh, you know, Neff abducting Athena. And then after the second one, you uh, see an image of Athena being crucified <laughs> while Neff is performing this ritual. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a bit uh, radical for, for this type of game. You didn't tone it down. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in the next area, you're, you're kind of, um, again, sort of in a cavern, but it looks a little more underground, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, there's these wasp men, there's like zombies. Um, it gets a little more complicated now. There's like pits in the ground to avoid. Yeah. And there's like multiple levels. Uh, one of those chicken stingers shows up and near the beginning of the level and knocks me into the pit like right away. (laughs) So I had to kind of avoid that. Um, but the beast mode on this stage was this, this grizzly bear type of creature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have kind of a, like a breath weapon. Yeah. Bear breath. <laughs> I just see a puff of smoke in front of his uh-huh. face and he turns people to stone. Maybe that's it. Uh, but he can also do this tumbling spin attack. Yeah. Th- this character is my least favorite. What did you think about this character? Um, I don't know. I didn't, I, just as far as like, I don't know, like just as far as interest, like, so the other characters you have are like a dragon, right? You know, you have the werewolf, um, typical things. Yeah, like all right, these are like vicious, and then you have like this bear. 
And it's like, well, he t- what does he do? He does like a, a tumble salt. He'll eat and, your lunch when you're not looking. Yeah, and it, like he's the, the graphics don't look that good to mm-hmm. me. Like it looks very sloppy. Like when you when you jump, it's just like a circle. It's not even well animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it was. It's not it, very detailed. It didn't it's, seem very impressive. But it seemed appropriate for the boss fight, at least. Yes. Um, the boss is this moldy-looking, kind of contaminated-looking boss, mm-hmm. uh, who's actually called Moldy Snail. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but kind of like with the head of like a salamander, sort of. Um, and I just repeated that spin attack a bunch of times, kept changing colors until it turned into that smoke cloud. And well, I think you're supposed. Well, if the idea was you're supposed to like knock him back mm-hmm. with your like the bear breath stuff. Right. You knock him back, and then when he pops his head up, then you you spin attack into the head. Right. And you might have to like repeat that a few times, but in the Genesis version, you can kind of beat the bosses I, just I, by ramming them. A lot of them. I didn't have any trouble doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, your arcade's a little bit trickier. Oh, it is. Yeah. I should probably try it just to see how it is. It's a little bit tougher. Um. <laughs> Then you get another 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 little scene at the end. You see um, Athena being turned into a bird for mm. some reason. So I don't know why he turns her into a bird. <laughs> I don't know how that relates like to the, the story. And I, I guess so. Uh, but you, you, this whole I mean, the whole game is sort of your journey into the underworld to sort of face you know obviously um, uh, the the god of the underworld himself. So the next one is um, kind of looks like a, a crypt to me initially. Mm-hmm. But it is called the Underworld Palace. Um, and this one, you saw a lot of the same type of enemies that you saw kind of near the beginning of the game. Um, I noticed, though, this is something that came up while I was playing. It took me until this point to really notice it. Like you, like you said, the screen auto-scrolls, right? Um, but as you get those, those power-ups, right, you kind of stop what you're doing and you kind of look at the screen like the like the player looks towards the you know like your guy looks towards the player right Mm -hmm. and uh this but the screen keeps scrolling and enemies are still moving yeah while you're sort of if there's like someone near you they're still punching at you right i'm like "Eh, it's kind of cheap you know well it's a very traumatic experience when you're growing muscles like that i guess so i should have should have known better uh (laughs) did you ever see manimal uh, not actively. I, try, <laughs> I, I, I do remember that show, but I don't think I was a big fan of that. Um, so in this one, your 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 beast power is uh, is like kind of like a, a tiger man, mm. right? Um, which is almost the same as the first stage, the werewolf. Uh-huh. It's basically the same attack moves, right? But I think this one you can you can throw fireballs, but they actually like can travel, right? They travel a certain amount of distance away from you. Do they? Is that the difference? I believe so. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why tiger translates into fireball attack, but I don't know. Um, you also got this vertical dash maneuver called pillar of fire, where mm, you kind of can shoot right. up into the air Instead and come back of, down, right? Yep. So that's pretty useful. Uh, the boss character here is this floating dragon, this little kind of kind of a comical looking creature, really, um, called the crocodile worm. And um, he shoots these fireballs up and down, um, and then he also releases these little smaller homing dragons towards you. Uh, I don't know. I, I occasionally had to duck a few times. I actually used like the the duck down maneuver in mm-hmm. this one because he shoots very low. Uh, but this fight was pretty, was really easy. I mean, the, the abilities that you got from this form, like perfectly matched whatever you had to do here because I used that pillar maneuver 
to just knock out those dragons that were flying around, the smaller ones. And then just kept firing the fireball because he just moves up and down the screen. Um, so it wasn't wasn't much of a challenge on this one. Um, and you also got like another scene here, another bit of the story where the ritual is now complete and Neff is holding a bird in his hand. He's like looking very proud of himself that he <laughs> completed the ritual. Um, and on the next stage, which is actually the final stage... Um, you're a little deeper in the underworld. You've got now a little slightly more fantastical creatures, I guess, with humanoid goats and unicorns <laughs> and, and boars and things like that. They're mm-hmm. all, but they're all human kind of, um, uh, they're like, you know, men blended with more beasts. So you're running into other beast men, apparently. Yeah. Um, and then there's this weird sawfish kind of a creature that kind of rolls along the ground. Uh, now your beast form here is this golden wolf man. You're a wolf man again. Yeah, they recycled the sprites. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're already out of ideas by stage five. Uh, I, I I don't know. I feel like so. It feels to me like the the wolf form is like the one that's most strongly associated with the game. Yeah. Um, you've got just stronger abilities. It seems uh, like a stronger dash maneuver and and your fireball attack. Um, the final boss is of course Neff himself. But he appears in the form of, like, a rhino man mm-hmm. um, and can move pretty quickly. Uh, he, like, you know, I just I just kind of dashed back and forth a lot while he kept charging at me. And um, I just kept crouching down and, like, fireballing him, like, as closely as possible. That seems to stun him or at least hold him in place while he's getting hit. So, I don't know. It wasn't much of a fight as far it's as I can tell. Kind of just a button masher fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um... Then, you know, a bird appears, but then gets restored back into, you know, Athena's form. And in the final scene, you're sort of reunited with her. Um, But you weren't kidding, though, when you said the game was really short. Mm. (laughs) So I suppose I should not have been too surprised. (laughs) Yeah, and and the crazy thing is, the arcade version is... Mm-hmm. More or less the same. It's This is a pretty darn close, like, pixel-perfect version of the arcade mm-hmm. game. Because I, I originally played it in the arcade. And that's when I went over to my friend's house when he got the Genesis. And I saw this game, you know, we hooked it up. And he put it on. I'm like, wow, this looks like exactly what I remember the arcade looking like. The sounds and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you do it side by side, you can tell there's definitely differences. Um, the Genesis version actually has parallax scrolling. The right. arcade version doesn't. Yeah. But um, the sprites are a little bit larger in the arcade. The difficulty is harder. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just some scaling effects on the bosses and stuff. Yeah, I think... I, I, th- I did see some footage of the arcade game. Like, some of them get knocked towards the screen when you, when I, you punch them. I think so. Yeah, the boss grows. Like, the head... Mm-hmm. Um, that big... Uh, whatever his name is. Neff, whatever. His head grows big and then shrinks. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's consistent is that it is two-player co-op, mm-hmm. um, even on the home version. So that was kind of cool that they included that, especially on a pack-in title. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's true that, you know, we do heavily associate this game with the Genesis since it was a pack-in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned, it is an arcade game that was originally released in 1988. So this oh, okay. was a fairly quick conversion. Yeah. Um, but there were also ports for a lot of other systems, um, including... There was a version for the Sega Master System. Yes, I had that one, too. <laughs> it's, it's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. It's missing a level. Mm. I think they omitted the bear stage. 
Oh, okay. I think so. Probably for memory reasons. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of, what, why memory? Well, probably memory. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, I don't think it has the two-player mode, but I also could be mm-hmm. totally wrong about that. Yeah. So, uh, apparently there were even, um, there were versions released for the PC Engine. There was even two versions released. There was one that really? was like a, a cartridge, uh, like a, you know, a cue card version, and mm-hmm. then there was also a PC Engine CD version. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, it was also released for the Famicom in Japan. Yes, I played that one. <laughs> it was That's even not re- too good. Oh, really? Uh, well, I shouldn't be surprised. A lot of the Sega titles didn't carry over very well on mm-hmm. the NES. I think I think Tengen released it. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there were even versions for the Commodore 64, mm. uh, the mm-hmm. Amiga, the Atari ST. Uh, there were even versions for MS-DOS. Wow. <laughs> for the Amstrad CPC. For the ZX Spectrum, hmm. of course, and the MSX computer. So this game got around quite a lot of coverage hmm. on this game. Um, it's also available on several modern platforms. Uh, it was available for the Wii Virtual Console. It was a, there was an iOS native version, um, and it's also in multiple Genesis compilations. So whether it's like Sega Genesis col- uh, collection for PS2 or um, the Sega Smash Pack that was came out on yeah. for Dreamcast or uh, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for PS3 and 360. Um, so yeah, I mean the game is very available if you want to try it out. It might be a Tiger handheld too. Uh huh. I think so. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, the arcade version was ported to XBLA and PSN for oh, okay. for those platforms mm-hmm. for 360 and PS3. So. Give it a try. The Genesis version is obviously extremely common. There's so many of them out there. Yeah. I found complete versions on eBay between six and eleven dollars. Oh, that much? Wow. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. That's right? a lot. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like a dollar. Well, crazy. I guess I guess the loose ones were cheaper than huh. that. But wow. if you wanted a, a full complete in box with manual, wow. ten bucks yeah, is typical. Way more than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it. Altered Beast. Yeah, my, my favorite trans. I like the first transformation. It's very iconic to me mm-hmm. because it's like it's it's from when he goes from man to wolf. It's like a couple of stages of progression. Mm-hmm. But on the other characters, they just flash the two frames. Like when he turns into a dragon, it's like man face and dragon face, and they just kind of like <laughs> flash in and out really fast. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like lazy. And that's how the rest of the bosses are until you get to the golden werewolf, mm-hmm. and then it's the same animation as the first one, just in a different color. They had to get it out there for yeah. launch. So it seems like a kind of a, a lazy program game, like sort of quickly done. But I like it. I like that game. I don't know. It's kind of like a brainless arcade mm-hmm. uh, button masher. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. It was fun for a playthrough. And the voices. I mean, those they're so... Uh, how can you... You know, the rise from your grave and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, how can you forget that? It's the first thing that hits you when you play the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. A lot of people don't, don't seem to like this game very much. Well... I mean, you know, it was a straight arcade port. There's not much more play value to it beyond that. Yeah. You know, so... I know, I when I, I played it a ton on the Genesis, but it was mostly just the first level. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got to, like, mid-second level, I'm like, all right, I had enough of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of repetitive. Right. Um, there is a cheat code to skip levels, just saying no to. And I think there's a continued code also. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Very nice. Yep. So, perhaps... Um, you know, you did something to celebrate the Genesis launch as well? I, I wasn't going to, but I said, um, you, when you told me you were playing that, mm-hmm. 
I was like, well, maybe I can find something to play. There's probably something on Genesis that I haven't really put a lot of time into. And someone brought up this game on the Facebook I'm a Classic Gamer group. Right. Uh, they showed a box of the game Kagegi. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, this is a game from... Uh, ni- from it's from an arcade game from 1988 from Kaneko. Mm-hmm. It was ported to the Genesis by Sage's Creation in 1991. I don't have fond memories of this game. <laughs> so when someone posted it, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to type, yeah, this game is like one of the worst games on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, you know, I don't want to be so negative because I haven't played this. I mean, since the first day it came out, that's when I played a lot of this stuff. So I remember it being really bad. And, and then, um, you know, some people posted that they have some fond memories of it. And I started doing a Google search, and some people are like, this was kind of like the hidden gem for them, you know? Really? Like, arcades and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the same game I'm thinking of. Like, I remember this game being really bad. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, alright, let me give it a try. Let's see. Okay. Let's see what Kagegi is all about. So, I put it in, and, you know, right off the bat, it's uh, your typical, um, you know, Genesis kind of not great music. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell Sage's Creation is not really known for their great Genesis games. Um, this game is very similar to uh, the old arcade game from Daddy East uh, called Ring King. Mm-hmm. Very similar to that play style. Um, you have, instead of, of course, boxers, you're in this like kind of back alley sort of thing. And these uh, little Japanese guys with big heads... Uh-huh. They're almost like super deformed fighters. Kind of caricature sort of a little bit. illustration yep. looking kind of characters. Yeah. Yeah, very, very yeah, their faces are very like Japanese, like stereotype almost. Mm-hmm. Um your your fight moves are very basic, kinda like that Ring King game. It's uh jump, you have jab and straight punch. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And the straight punch is more like a power punch. If you can pull that off, it's right. a little bit slower, it does more damage. Um, I mean, one of the things you notice about this is uh, this, the animation is really poor. Mm-hmm. If, if, if anything, there's like two frames of animation to anything you do in this game. Right. It's really... I mean, this whole game is really bad. Let's, I, I did try this out <laughs> a little bit just to sort of get a flavor for it. But yeah, I can agree with that. Two frames of animation. There's no shadows on anything when you're jumping or anything. There's no... The backgrounds are complete static. There's mm-hmm. no animation. There's not, like, a little cat animating in the background. You know, you're in, a va- in an alley or anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, there's no backstory. If, if you let the game play out, like, in a track mode, a, a quick... And I don't know if this was my emulator doing this, but it would, it would quickly flash, like, a profile of, like, one of the enemies for, like, three seconds. Like, mm-hmm. not even enough to read what's going on. But apparently that that is a little bit of the backstory of like who these characters are. Mm-hmm. But not it, I, I would have to like do a pause or something to it, see what was going on. It looked like some kind of Fight Club maybe, or some kind of like little I yeah, know, like a back alley know. tournament. Yeah, for some reason. Um, you start off the round. Um, it's done in rounds, so you have like stage one, stage two, stage three. You start off fighting like these minions. These are, like these just generic like blonde haired, you know, Japanese guys. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you beat them, and then you fight the boss. They look like they could be gang members, maybe. I don't know. I I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, now that I've played the arcade one, that's what they are. Like, they come out from the crowd, Mm -hmm. and they jump in. But in this game, there's no crowd. (laughs) There's nobody. Um, And then the next thing you do, you know, you fight this boss who comes out, and they don't introduce him. He just kind of, like, just appears. And, uh, you know, you're fighting this guy, and then the next thing I know, 
you knock him down when he has no energy, and this ref comes out, like, out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Like, where did this referee come from? And he starts counting. Eight, nine, ten. Like, there's no <laughs> one, there's no one through seven. And he just comes out. Eight, nine, ten. I'm like, what? What just happened? Huh. And, and then, like, you, you win the match, and, and then this guy in a green suit comes out, and he picks up the loser, and he flips the manhole cover and just throws the guy in the manhole. <laughs> Like, this game makes no sense at all. Absolutely no sense. Putting out the garbage. Yeah. Um, you know, as you go on, I got I got as far as, I think, the third boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I got up to the fourth round. The third boss, this guy is holding something in his hand. And when he attacks you, and I couldn't even figure out what it was. Like, the, the, the graphics are so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it would look like, to me, it was either like a sock full of quarters or something that he was like swinging at you or like a fish. I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I swear, I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't figure it out. Um, the, the color palette's awful in this game. It's it maybe six colors on the screen at mm-hmm. best. Um, the music is absolutely atrocious. Uh, I thought it was, like, super bad for a Genesis game until uh-huh. I played the arcade game, and I realized, wow, it's the same music from the oh, arcade so game. It's, so it's quite authentic. <laughs> it's very authentic. All right. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> um, the fourth round I was playing... And then as I'm fighting the, the boss, this girl pops out of the mm-hmm. screen, like just flashes and um, just for no reason, like just this girl appears and then disappears. I'm like, what is this? What is going on here? Hmm. Um, I fight this boss. He turns red. This is the first time a boss turns red and I knock him down and I thought he was dead. And then he gets up and his energy's restored. Huh. And I was like, what just happened? Um, I, I couldn't, this game is pretty hard. I couldn't get past that round. I tried a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, as you play a little bit, you'll see like um, a hamburger get thrown on the on the field, or boxing gloves, or like little power that. ups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just bad. It, it has Sam sampled voices in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, and it's funny because one of the most common voices, he says, "Hey, let's fight." <laughs> he, just, he said, and, then, and it says it with like no like emotion or like excitement. He's kind of like, "Hey, let's fight!" Right? <laughs> like what? And he says it a lot, right? Yeah, they say it a lot. Kind of uh, even like while the fight's in progress already. Yeah, yeah. Makes no sense. Another thing you hear, um, this girl's voice who says, is that all or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or, or I think it's a girl's voice. I don't know. I can't tell. Um, it's very raspy in that, you know, like Genesis sort of way. Right. Um, another thing you hear is like, get serious. Uh, and then this other thing, or I couldn't forget, I heard this phrase a lot. It's like, is this so bad or something? Or I don't know. Are these random comments from the crowd? Yeah. If, if I, there I was don't know. a crowd. I can't figure it out. Um, when they knock you down, you hear this like weird looping moaning sound. It's like, ugh, ugh, like this. Like, uh, what is I guess you're, yeah. It's really, really bad. Is that your character? I guess that's your character. Struggling, struggling to get back up. Maybe. maybe. It, it almost sounds like the crowd's doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, it, but it's like on a loop. It's like a short, like one second loop. It's it's awful. This game is is terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone said this is like a gem or anything. Hmm. I didn't I didn't play the arcade version, so I didn't grow up with that nostalgia of playing this game. But um, I can't say how anyone could like this Genesis game. This is as bad, if not much worse, than I remember when I first played it. So yeah, so it's a mystery then. Why? I don't know. I, I don't see what's likable. I like Ring King mm-hmm. like that. I have it on Gen- on Nintendo. I love the arcade game. Um, I was hoping that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, Ranking's great. I'm going to definitely like this game, but I don't know. Now, did you play it at all, or I played did you a, give it a try? Kind of briefly, yeah. Tried. Of this all, kind of this makes sense to you, or? Is, yeah. Because you weren't a fan of this growing up or anything. I really barely knew of this game at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just found the, the moves to be very simplistic, um, very 
you know, it was hard to just be able to land an attack. I mean, it was very easy to hit the boss over and over again. But then, yeah, that 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 strong punch, it just, you know, by luck, you would have to connect with that. Yeah. And maybe knock him down. Um, beyond that, there just wasn't much variety. I didn't I didn't find that jumping really helped all that much, other than maybe to get you away from the boss if you weren't ready to hit him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your opponent, your boss. You know, I don't know if he's the boss of anything, but... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, wh- whoever you were fighting. It's probably... Because every round, you climb up a building, uh-huh. so I'm sure, like, the last round, you have to fight... Yeah, maybe. The main guy or something. So, yeah, I just didn't find the gameplay that engaging or that rewarding. So Yeah, this is one for the trash heap. Beyond that, I wouldn't really want to go back to this for any for any reason. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mystery. I mean, I suppose maybe the art style makes it a little oddball. So, maybe some people the, the are just... Art's terrible, though. It's, yeah, it's terrible in, like, kind of a out. grotesque way. Uh, I just don't, yeah, I don't see the appeal. I don't know. Yeah. I don't see anything redeeming about it. Mm-hmm. And I like... So I like uh, DJ Boy, mm-hmm. which is another game. It's, I don't think Sage Creation put that one out, but it is a Kaneko, Can- Can- whatever, Kaneko right. arcade port. And that's kind of, It's not a great game either. Like, DJ Boy, the the Genesis version is not good. But I like that game. Like, I found something that I liked, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I would, I'd find that fun to play. But So it's not like I don't like bad games. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I don't know. This is not... This one did not deliver on the bad. No, 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 no. Hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that, that that's how I celebrated my... <laughs> what All better right. way to celebrate the Genesis than with a bad game? All right. Well, something at least. Something to... Uh... If you if someone is listening and they love this game, I would definitely like to know, like, why. Mm-hmm. Um, or just your experience with it. Because this is just my personal experience. Right. I'm sure there are people who love this. And obviously, by the comments I've read... There are people who think this is like, you know, a hidden gem on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, well, did I... Did you play anything else? I did play other things. <laughs> Genesis? Or? Something, uh, no, I actually went to a different system for this. Um, along with the Genesis, August 14th is also remembered as the day that the Virtual Boy was launched in the U.S. V-Day, huh? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, it was 20 years ago, um, on August 14th of 1995, the, the Virtual Boy was cast upon the world, a system that is somewhat divisive, I suppose. Some are, you know, I, I don't know that people really are a big fan of it, but I think some people are able to look past... It's a novelty. Yeah, I'd say so. Sort of like the Vetrex. I mean, well, hmm. I, I, yeah, Vetrex I mean, is not. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> Well, I think the Vectrex is a little more approachable, just because it doesn't have this particular... I suppose. I mean, it has its own visual style. I suppose they're similar in that way. They're both visually interesting in terms of their graphics and how they're presented. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I love Vectrex, so... It's, sure. But I, I can admit that it's, you know, it's a novelty, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Right. Um... But, it, you know, it, it did come out uh, in 95, uh-huh. um, $180. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but, unfortunately, uh, it was discontinued in less than a year. Um, it was The Japanese launch was also around the same time, uh, July 21st of 95. Mm. Uh, so, not that much longer for the U.S. launch. Uh, it had a 20 megahertz, 32-bit processor uh, manufactured by NEC. It was the same chip that was used in the PCFX. Hmm. Uh, NEC's own 
uh, system. Um, it had a screen resolution of 384 by 224, which uh, is surprisingly high for something like that. Um, but I didn't actually have, uh, I don't actually have a Virtual Boy on hand. Uh, so I fired up a VB emulator and decided to try out just a random assortment of games. Uh, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time on them, uh, but I thought I might as well just, you know, take a couple for a spin at least. Um, this, uh, one of the first games that I tried was Mario Clash. Mm. Uh, this was a game that came out in October of 95. Um, now the system itself was designed by, uh, Gunpei Yokoi. He is also, he was famous at the time for having yeah. designed the original Game Boy. Right. Uh, so he was the producer for the Mario Clash title as well. Uh, now I was always a big fan of the Mario Brothers arcade game, not Super Mario Brothers that came out on the NES, but the old you know two-player uh, arcade title where you're kind the of original like original Mario Bros. Yeah, it, it, I guess uh, the one where you're they're in the sewers. You're in the sewers and you're fighting uh, creatures popping out of the pipes and stuff like that. Um, so this Mario Clash is kind of is a kind of a takeoff on that game. It sort of extends that game in in some ways. Um, now, because I was playing on an emulator and I wasn't playing on the original system, it was a little tricky to play without the 3D effect because the game sort of operates on you know different depth levels of depth. Um, you can sort of still play it. I mean, it's not unplayable, uh, but you know, obviously the screen the, it was it was flattened out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are like a set of platforms and they're connected by tubes. Uh, and in this one, you have, you basically have to, uh, knock over Koopa shells, pick them up and use them as weapons against the other creatures. Now it starts off simple enough where those are your only enemies at first. Um, but you have to use, you know, other enemies, you're not able to stomp on them at all. And you have to have a, a shell in hand to use against them. Um, like, um, you know, some of them have a spike on top, and obviously you can't jump on that one. Uh, but you can throw the shell like along a horizontal plane to knock them out. But then, on a, on a subsequent level, you get a different type of uh, enemy that has like uh, a black shell, and those can't be hit on the same level. Those have to be hit on an adjacent level. Like you have to hit them um, either into the screen or away from the screen. Um, so it's. It's a little more strategic, and as the levels progress, it gets very difficult very quickly. <laughs> I noticed that, you know, the, the the skill level to keep you know keep uh, stay alive in this game um, was a little tough because you had these interconnected tubes, so your movement was limited to which you know like which platform you're on and which ones you're connected to. Um, but obviously, enemies are crossing ac- across all of them, and you have to have a shell in hand to be able to use it against them. And you also have to be able to be on the uh, on a platform that can hit them. So there's also a time limit. I mean, it gets kind of hectic very quickly in the game. Um, it has uh, 99 levels total. Um, you can uh, you can actually select your starting level from the title screen, but up to level 40, I think. Um, and I don't know. There's also like a a, a bonus stage where you grab some coins. And it, just like the arcade uh, Mario Brothers game does have that type of level, but in here it's completely different. Now the coins are kind of flying towards you and you're sort of in an arena with like an audience around you. <laughs> it's a, the audience is full of Yoshis and Toads and Peaches and uh, Marios in the crowd. 
Um, now, I like this game a lot, though. I, even though, even with the high difficulty and even with kind of the handicap that I was working with, um, I am probably pretty likely to play it again once I get my hands hmm. on, a, on a VB system again. Um, not an expensive game. Uh, usually about 15 to $20 loose. It is what it looks like it get goes it for. Sounds kind of pricey to me. It does, right? The games were kind of cheap to begin with. Um, right? Isn't that kind of like the original retail price? I don't know. I, I'm not sure what they were yeah, originally I think sold for. Yeah, they were only for. like 19 or 20, 29 were, at most. They weren't a lot. The pricing was kind of like similar to Game Boy games. Mm. It seems. Yeah, I, I saw complete copies mm. going for up to forty dollars for this game. Yeah, hard to believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, another game I played was Galactic Pinball. Mm. Um, this was one of the four launch titles for the system. Um, it was developed by Intelligent Systems, which is, uh, another close second party developer to Nintendo, but it was published by Nintendo ultimately. Um, it starts off with a voice sample telling you, welcome to the space world. Let's go. (laughs) And... You get four tables, you, all with like kind of an outer space cosmic theme, because it is Galactic Pinball. Um, they have such catchy titles as Alien and UFO mm. and uh, Cosmic. It sounds like that Chinese 40-in-1 game that I got recently. <laughs> right. Uh, the last one is Colony. Colony. Yeah. Uh, the music is very bubbly, very spacey. Um, How does the music compare to Game Boy, the original Game Boy? Uh, it sounds a little more active to me. It sounds mm-hmm. a little more capable. Um, the voice sampling that I heard in some of the games seemed uh, like you know very clear. Um, you know, it was. It just sounded like a little more progress, a little more developed mm-hmm. than that. <clears throat> um, in general, though, the gameplay is you know. To me, very similar to any other pinball, video pinball type of title. Um, it was The ball was very floaty. I don't know if that's because you're in space. Hmm. Uh, but I don't really... I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really feel very qualified to judge pinball titles. I'm not a huge pinball fan. Um, I always feel kind of cheated when the ball goes in the little side alley, the little pocket on the side, and it just goes straight out. I don't know if I should be knocking the table more aggressively to prevent that from happening. But it seems to happen very easily without me really trying. Does the screen scroll or is it just a static uh, pinball, like one it the width like, of the screen or something? Most of the tables were all on the same screen, mm. um, but there were some I mean, bonus stages. The 3D stages. effect is like, are you looking at the, the pinball machine on, on an angle? Like a yeah, three-quarter kind view? of. Kind okay. of the way you would in front of a real pinball table. Okay. Um, mm. Weird. Yeah, but there's a lot of like little bonus games that pop up depending on you know, whether you hit certain items on the stage. Um, and it was like a little Metroid chip popped out at one point for a little shooting game. Oh, yeah. It does say... Oh, I saw the YouTube clip. Um, it said Samus or something? Yeah. Kind of named Samus by, by did, name. did he say that? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know so. if I was like dreaming. It was, on, it was on screen. It was written right. on screen. Yeah. Um, but this game is super common. Uh, five to ten bucks loose. Twenty-five to thirty-five for a complete boxed copy. Hmm. Uh, so nothing too outrageous there. Uh, seems like a nice game though to spend some time with. If you have the system, seems like you should have this one. Okay. Um, now another game that I played that I am most likely never going to buy, uh, was called Space Invaders Virtual Collection. 
naturally, I'm a big Space Invaders fan. Um, so I had to try Space Invaders on on the system mm. to see what's what's new what and different about Space it. Space Invaders been on. I know it seems like it's on everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> this was this was released by Taito in December of '95. Um, I guess the system was already kind of on its way down um, by then. Um, that didn't come out in America, did it? Never was released okay. in the U.S. This was oh, yeah, a, a, a Japanese exclusive release. Um, uh, I saw that a uh, a graded copy of the game recently sold for four hundred dollars on eBay. Uh, how, how much? Four hundred. I know. You could buy the arcade machine for that one. Hard to believe, uh, but this is an exceedingly rare title wow. for the game for the, for you know for the Virtual Boy. Hmm. Um, there's three game modes. There's original 2D, which is pretty much just the arcade game. You get like a little bit of a 3D arcade style background. You know how the arcade game has sort of that. You know, it's kind of mirrored. It's a mirrored display, and there's kind of this concave sort of planetary mm. pattern in the background. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of that here. Okay. Um, and that's just, you know, straight-up conversion of the arcade game. Nothing too different. Um, you also get uh, another mode called Virtual 3D, which has a kind of like a bottom-up sort of view. You're sort of, your ship is kind of on the bottom. Mm. So it's the same premise of space invaders but just from like it's a like lower you're playing as a cocktail almost a cocktail <laughs> table yeah you're kind of low to the ground in this one um and you have a choice of either the original game or space invaders part two which might be more familiar in the u.s as deluxe space invaders mm. um and there's another mode called challenge which gives you really two options either time attack or score attack and um, the challenge modes also use the 3D view. Um, and they have uh, features from the Part 2 style of the game. So invaders that might split if you hit them a certain way. Or, you know, like the saucer will come in and drop off reinforcements along the top. Um, uh, so in time attack, you have to pretty much clear the board as fast as you can. That's your goal there. Uh, in score attack, you want to get the highest score in a single wave if possible. And so I guess probably you want to split the invaders. I guess they're worth more if you do that. Um, the sound effects in general are just approximations of the arcade game. I wouldn't say they're direct translations, but they're kind of close. Um, you get some stereo panning effects because the system did have stereo sound. So mm-hmm. as you move left and right, it's kind of the sound kind of shifts in that direction. It's kind of cool. Um, another thing I noticed that was kind of different was the, as the saucer is going across the top, if you don't shoot it down, it does this like kind of this very fancy peel out maneuver. It gets to the end and then kind of just like loops around and flies off the screen. That doesn't happen in the arcade one? No. Huh. Um, I also ran into some accuracy issues here, some hit detection issues. Really? Now, I don't know if this was because... I wasn't playing it in the normal 3D mode. It's got to be in 3D, man. <laughs> I, 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 that's entirely Cheating. possible. Uh, but, you know, I mean, normally when I play Space Invaders, I sort of play pretty close to the enemy fire. Mm-hmm. Like, like enemy fire could drop very close to me. And I, I'll, you know, I'll notice when it's, like, about to hit me and I'll just take, like, a step to the right or something. But that didn't work in this game. I ended up getting hit very easily. Um, so, I mean, you know, I just wanted to get, get a taste for it. I didn't really play it all that long. 
Um, I noticed the games do have an automatic pause feature. When the game starts up, it asks you, do you want to enable automatic pause? What's that? And it's a feature built into the games where the game will automatically pause for you every 15 minutes to give your eyes a break. Oh, come on. (laughs) Give me a break. That's the whole point of it, to give you a break. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the start button on the controller is for. You can pause anytime you want, I know, but... I don't need someone telling me to pause. I think this is one of those little reminders to say, like, take a break. Your eyes need it. Jeremy, you you owned one. I I had one for a time. Yeah, Yeah, now now the... I had had one for a quick day, and Um, I returned it. Yeah. It hurt my eyes. That's a common complaint. Yeah, I know a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I don't believe it, but... It's true. I, I, I've had it, and I tried it, and I was like, I think I played it for like a half hour, not even that much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, my eyes really... Well, I wear glasses normally, so I have bad vision to begin with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was not not good for my eyes. Even like even the, the 3DS, I can't play with the 3D. It hurts my eyes. Mm. Interesting. I, yeah. You should try the new 3DS and see if it's any better. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, sadly, the Virtual Boy did not last even a year. No, that thing um, was... The last official game to be released was called 3D Tetris, and it mm. came out in March of 1996. I remember seeing stacks of them for like, I think they were $30 the last time I remember seeing them. I stacks, did get mine very stacks. cheap. I got mine very cheap at KB. KB, yeah. They had Jaguars and Virtual Boys, like mm-hmm. as many as you want. <laughs> yep. You can walk out of like 100 of them if you want. Yeah. I'd like to get one again just for, you know, because no I'm a interest. system junkie. <laughs> No interest in it at all for me. Uh huh. Even even though I am kind of into that quirky stuff, it's there's not like a memorable. I mean, I, I would probably like to try that Space Invader game just because I didn't try that one. But there's nothing memorable on there. It's like, well, you know, I like this game on it, which was mm-hmm. really good. Like Alicia Mario Clash, you know, that one is like kind of nostalgic for you. Yeah, a little bit. And I heard I heard the Wario game was pretty decent. I I didn't like that one. I did play that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few other titles. Uh, I mean, the U.S. library is very small. Yeah, I love the import stuff I didn't even know about uh, at the time. Yeah, so, I mean, it is possible to there get a full some. set. Yeah. Uh, even some of the import games are pretty cheap. Like, I had picked up, uh, I think I had gotten Virtual Fishing. <laughs> and because that's the game you want. Absolutely. You're going to import a game. Um, I think I also now, have... Wait, oh, the Japan, is it Japanese fish or American fish? <laughs> I can't How tell. does that work? It is Japanese text. So okay. perhaps the fishermen, at least, are Japanese. Okay. Um, I got, I think, Space Squash, which is something that everybody wants to play, I suppose. Uh, I don't even know what that could possibly be. Is uh, that a sport? Or? Yeah, it's like it's like handball, I guess, oh, okay. sort of. I don't know if it was like a vegetable or... <laughs> what are we talking about here? You can see there It's like a were... futuristic cooking game, yeah. Space Squash. <laughs> that could happen someday. Um... Yeah, I mean, there were there were a few interesting titles. Uh, you know, it's definitely a very experimental kind of a system. Yeah, no, it has its place in history. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that place is in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, unwillingly, that's where mine ended up. But a lot of well, a lot of them go bad. So a lot of people probably did throw them out, I, thinking uh, that all right, it's broken, it's going in the garbage. Yeah, unfortunately, mine. It has a, a default, a defect. Every single right. one. Right. Yeah, it's an um, issue with uh, the ribbon coming unglued internally. Yeah, see, so I mean, they can be fixed, mm-hmm. but a lot of people probably don't know that, and I'm sure a lot of them did get destroyed at some point. Yeah, yeah. But... And that's driving the value up some more, because you don't see as many right. on the used market. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it was uh, good to take it for a spin, though, just to see yeah, what some of these no, games look like. Yeah, definitely... 
Oddball systems are fun. <laughs> As someone who owns a loopy, I can I can see where you're coming from. Uh, the loopy. Nobody's asking for that. <laughs> uh, but believe it or not, I had time for another game. Really? I know. I've been busy this week. Usually, it's, you know, you're like a one game a week person. These were pretty short games, um, and among them was uh, an Atari classic for me, anyway. Um, uh, I went back to a game that I used to play on the Atari... Atari Classic, a- Battlezone, uh, Missile Command, mm, Asteroids... Okay, well, I'm going to adjust your... Breakout. I'm going to adjust your frame of reference okay. and say Atari 8-bit computers. Uh, the Atari Kangaroo. 800. Yeah, I had those. Um, I had some of those. Although, I don't know if that's Atari, Kangaroo. Um, that was that licensed? Sub-licensed? It was licensed, yeah, mm. for the U.S. Uh, Arabian Nights? Is that <laughs> one of them? Uh, not, in this, not this time. Okay. Not, not this week. Uh, I played a game called Sea Dragon. Don't know of it. <laughs> you haven't heard of it, right? No. Uh, this was a game released in 1982 for, by Adventure International, mm. uh, publisher of um, a lot of different games at the time, probably most notably known for their text adventures, their uh, graphical text adventures uh, by Scott Adams. Uh, but this particular game was an action shooter game uh, programmed by Russ Wetmore. And uh, he's probably better known for his Preppy games. He made uh, Preppy 1 and 2, which uh, shares some gameplay with Frogger to some some degree. Um, But, you know. I think I did play that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty popular for the time. Uh, But Sea Dragon is an underwater horizontal shooter, uh, which I seem to be drawn to for some reason. Yeah, you have a thing for underwater shooters. Uh, it plays. They, they move at a good pace for you, right? I, I, I just I find them, you know, mellow and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one plays a bit like Scramble, if you are, you know, familiar with that arcade game. Yeah. Uh, there's no bombs, though, in this one. So it's only straight shooting because you're, you know, you're a submarine, so you can fire uh, torpedoes. Um, you have a plump little sub that you control, and uh, the graphics are nice. Uh, they're very kind of fun and bubbly looking. Uh, even you know, um, you know the environment just kind of in like a cute em up kind of way. Or, um, or unintentionally a, like, so. Cartoonish. I don't of... think it, I don't think it went out of its way to be that. Mm-hmm. But just that's kind of just how it comes off to it's me. It's Not like very military looking or anything. Not particularly. Mm-hmm. It just has a cute charm about it. I don't know why that is. I mean, even even when you're firing your torpedoes, the torpedo tubes open up in like a little X pattern in the front, mm-hmm. and you see the, t- the torpedo uh, shoot out. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty short game. Um, really, its extended play value comes in just increased difficulty levels. Um, you start off. I mean, you can set your difficulty level from the start. Uh, you can, and basically, there's there's a rank associated with each difficulty level. So you can either play as a yeoman class, or ensign, or captain, or admiral. And <laughs> it, the only differences really seem to be that you know the speed that the game moves at. I played at the default level, the easiest level, because I just wanted to sort of play through the game again. Um, but not teddy bear level. No, no, there was no teddy option on this okay. one. Uh, you can have two torpedoes in the water at a time. Uh, so as soon as one torpedo hits, you can fire again, but you can shoot up to two at a time. Um, there was a weird glitch that happens in the game. I don't know what prompted it, but occasionally... It would allow me to shoot multiple torpedoes, but... Well, actually, not multiple at a time, but just, like, firing again would reset the torpedo I already have in the water. But I think that was unintentional. 
I think just the normal mode is that you can only shoot two bullets at a time, pretty much. Um, there is an air meter that you have to watch out for. Hmm. So you do wait, have you're to, a submarine. You're a submarine, but you do have to surface to collect do more air. subs have to do that? Um, they do have a limited air supply, I yeah, think. Right? But Occasionally okay. they have to surface. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you do, so you do have to surface to replenish it. Um, if you run out of air, your sub explodes. So that's kind of bad. Um, not much for in, ter- in the sound department for this game. You pretty much just have the sound of your torpedoes firing, your targets exploding, or your own sub blowing up. Um, but there's no music. And all you have is just the constant ping of like a sonar scope mm. to you know remind you that you're in a sub. Uh, it starts off simple enough. You just have some mines scattered along the bottom of the ocean floor. Um, there's really two types of mines. Um, there's some that are just sitting on the ocean bed and will randomly float up if you get too close to them. Very similar to the way the missiles work in Scramble, mm-hmm. where they'll just suddenly fire at you. Sometimes you can pass right over them. There's no problem. And then other times they'll launch at just the wrong time to, to you know like run into you. Um, so it's kind of like that. Uh, other mines are like tethered to a chain or just floating, so they act they act just more as like obstacles. Uh-huh. So you can't run into the chain or you can't run into the mine. You pretty much just have to shoot the mine to get rid of that obstacle if it's in your way. Hmm. Um, a lot of times you can just float right over them. There's really, you know, other than score, there's not a whole lot of reason to want to uh, have to shoot everything. Um, but it is automatically scrolling, and. Uh, you have some movement. You can you can accelerate forward just to gain some distance, or you can put pull back on the uh, joystick to sort of hold your place in in the water. So basically, you're matching the the scrolling. You're kind of pausing the scrolling a little bit as the screen f- moves forward. Um, so the <laughs> you know it's it's very sort of like open water type of setting, but then you sort of very quickly move into sort of a cave. You sort of, you start to have to go under, under uh, further underground, um, in which case you have to make sure you have enough air before you do that, just to sort of make it through that. Um, there's like a couple laser cannons embedded shooting at you. Um, so this does require some precision maneuvering. This is like, I actually found that I couldn't play this game a whole lot very easily with just a normal, like, um, D-pad controller. I feel I found I needed I needed like a proper joystick to play mm-hmm. this well because the amount of sort of precision stopping and moving like required like very definite you know and that's so, where I come in that's where I had to uh, yeah requisition a proper joystick <laughs> out of your inventory um, and I uh, ended up borrowing one of your your arcade sticks glad to see you put to good use <laughs> yeah it's tough it's tough because I tried initially. Uh, playing it and I found myself like moving inadvertently when uh-huh. I wasn't when I really didn't want to with like a normal like D-pad controller um, sometimes like when you're maneuvering in those really tight mm-hmm. caves you know regardless of what type of game it is like even like radius or anything you really have to like be perfect because your ship will just your right. ship doesn't like it's always facing horizontal like in those games right. so if you're going down this like diagonal tunnel you know you, you can't change your ship diagonal to match the shape mm-hmm. so yeah a joystick will definitely help in those type yeah of i mean f- further down in this game like it gets you know you go from more natural looking cave structures to like really right angle like hard edges it looks like a little more manufactured maybe the surroundings 
So in those cases, it becomes even more important to really be able to hit those those sharp, like kind of ninety degree turns in the game. And so it's really, you know, it, it helped a great deal. I was able to to actually finish it. Hmm. Um. So, you know, at, at a certain point though, you you, you have. Uh, sort of these this big chamber with these lo- uh, big row of mines along the bottom and you do have like a set of laser gates all firing at the same time like there's actually four different cannons in this room at the same time so it gets a little challenging you have to so the, your basic struggle in this game is always move far enough ahead so that you have enough maneuvering space to kind of back up if you need to you don't really back up you just kind of stand still while the scrolling moves your perspective forward um, like I mentioned but uh it does get tricky at, at points. Um, you have uh, you do have like uh, some ships that are dropping mines at you at one point. Um, later on, even in, in another cave, you have these uh, falling uh, stalactites that are coming down. Are you sure it wasn't a stalagmite? <laughs> a stalagmite is, I think, on the ground. Okay. Is that how it works? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are different than the mines because you can't shoot them preemptively. Like the mines are, if they're in your way, you can still clear a row of them and you don't have to worry about them. The stalactites kind of just hang there until you're kind of close enough and then they drop on mm-hmm. you. How do they know? They just know. Somebody's in charge of yeah. this, apparently. Um, what about a tech type? <laughs> I think that's from Zelda. I don't know if that enters this picture. Uh... The game is pretty short, though. Uh, there's several areas that you move through, but before you know it, you're, you're pretty much at the end. And um, the final target, like the scrolling, actually stops. And there's these two sort of vertical barriers moving up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a kind of a, a, an air pocket in between them, like a spot where you can surface. And um, basically, it, it's challenging here because what you have to do is you have to blow a hole through the the scrolling barrier fast enough such, such that you can get through it and into that air pocket uh, to sort of rebuild your air. Because, you know, you go into this thing with just a limited amount of air and it runs out fairly quickly. Um, once you get past that, though, getting the final target is not a, a big problem. Um, your final target is simply a big mine or just a normal mine, really, embedded in a rock wall. And you just have to blow that up. Hmm. Um so the things that kind of come to mind here is that the gameplay is kind of similar to Phoenix in some way. It's almost like when you're assaulting the the space station in oh the like the the main boss yeah you have to like come wear away and it's right so ship okay so picture that but just kind of turn ninety degrees on uh-huh. its side yeah. so you have to pretty much blow away holes in the barrier okay. such that you can hit the target in the center. So it's very similar yeah. to that. Um, it was even mentioned as a as an inspiration by the original author of this game. Because um, the game was actually originally released for the TRS-80, believe it or not. <laughs> I will not believe it. Written by uh, Wayne Westmoreland and Terry Gilman. Hmm. Um, and they actually mentioned that both Scramble and Phoenix were inspirations. I wonder how many TRS-80 exclusive games there are. I'd say there are probably more than a few. Huh. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, there were games for that system, even though... It's crazy. Even though it didn't have a proper graphics mode. I think mm-hmm. all the games are pretty much text-based. Wow. I know, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, once you blow up that final target, uh, you're, the whole screen just blows up, and then the game restarts from the beginning. But now you're on that, the harder difficulty level. So you got promoted to the next oh, okay. rank. 
And uh, now you pretty much... I think much... that's how Scramble works, right? Isn't it uh-huh. the same thing? Uh, probably. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Super Cobra or one of those. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, it was also released for the Apple II, um, and there were other versions that came out for the TRS-80 color computer, uh, the C64, and the PC. Um, it was There was even a, a recent port uh, to the Spectrum in 2010. Uh, what? what? Hold on. The ZX Spectrum got a version of this game in 2010. What, as a homebrew? I suppose so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I thought I misheard something. <laughs> well, so the interesting thing, though, is for each of these different systems, they were all done by different programmers. And um, they, all, they all play approximately the same, but they all look different. I mean, they all look... It's not like the same game on different systems. Mm-hmm. They all have their own kind of flavor to them. Um, the Apple II version even has some speech. Mm-hmm. even has some, uh, some voice synthesis in it. Um... But the true version is the TRS-80 one? Well, that was the, the first version of the huh. game. Uh, the, the thing that struck me is that in most of the other versions of this game, you can fire multiple shots. You can fire as many shots as you want. See, but the Atari version was limited to two shots. Um, is that considered the more difficult game? I think of it as a little more difficult because of that. Hmm. And maybe the C64 version also retains that. Uh, but I noticed in the in the Commodore version, you, can also, you also have missiles that you can fi- fire... Uh, vertically, mm. and that actually can be used to destroy some of the laser cannons. Yeah, it sounds like that would give you so th- quite an advantage. I think it's a little more those yeah te- those st- stalactites. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming you can gonna... use against those. You can definitely use it to knock out some of the cannons in the game. Um, I think the game is was sold on both floppy disk and cassette, uh, and about fifteen to twenty dollars seems about typical on the value of this game. So. That was just a fun little shooter that I remember from my early days. Hmm. I wanted to revisit it. Yeah, I didn't have that one. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's definitely a little challenging. I mean, you definitely need the right controller for it. I'll give you yeah, that. It sounds like it. I'll say that much. So you can play with a keyboard? Uh, I think that I th- might be possible. I forget how it... I'm not really sure. On Atari, because I only had the 800, and did you have to use a controller? Like... Like, you know how on the PC, you can mm. kind of use both? Even right. If you had a joystick, you can kind of use the keyboard. Was Atari like that, too? Or was either one or the other? Or, or just, that's it? It was always controller? Um, I didn't try, actually. I don't remember ever playing using key, keys on a Atari. The only key that I ended up using was the space bar, and that was just, uh, I think, for, the pause in the game. For, yeah, if it was something like that, or like an RPG, we needed to have, like, mm-hmm. you know, E for exit, and Q for quit, and stuff sure. like that, whatever it was. Right. Yeah, no, just... S for save. This was a straight action game, so mm. didn't need any of that. Yeah, so that was my gaming week. Hmm, wow. A couple of different things. Pretty action-packed. <laughs> I'm sure you played something else, too. I did, yeah. Uh, I, I More in the future side of things than okay. in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I decided to uh, go into my library on the PS4 and check out a game that I've been wanting to play for a while called Hohokam. Mm. Uh, this game is by Honey Slug. I don't know too much of what they've made in the past, if anything. But this was a freebie on the PS Plus program. Mm-hmm. I think it was like two months ago, maybe, or with you know the last three months. So this is a weird game. Um, it's almost not even a game, sort of. It's very open. It's very open, uh, abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no dying in this game. There's. Uh, it's mostly just puzzle solving. 
So you play as this snake creature. It almost looks like a sperm. Hmm. Um, it has a little eyeball at the end where the head is. And that's it. You can tr- you play as this character. You can speed up a little bit. You can slow down. You can close that eye. And you can also hold down the L and R's to do a little turbo boost. You can control the blinking of the eye? Yes. Really? Yes. Is that necessary? Uh... Not really, but <laughs> kind of is to get the full right. trophies. I'll uh, I'll let you. Uh, so the thing give us the scoop on that. Yeah, well, I don't really know, have much more to say than what I just said okay. <laughs> because I didn't get that trophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether well, the idea was with the eyeball, you have to sneak by. I think some enemy, not enemy, some creature, and if you sneak by with your eyes closed, like can't see you or something like that, mm. and you can get like one of the items that oh, you need to get. That's that's what I was reading in the FAQ because I didn't know what it was. Like what it, I beat the game and there was no like reason for this eye closing. Uh-huh. So and, and that's one of my complaints about this game. It, it doesn't. There's no story. There's no way to die. There's no scoring. It's just you start the game and you're immediately just put into the game with no instructions at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. And so you're figuring out like how how to control the character. You know what does what. Um, you have to just explore everything, and that's what this game is all about. There's 15 stages, and every stage is a puzzle to solve. Mm. Now, you don't know this when you start the game unless you did some like background you know, reading up on it, but um, it wasn't until I was playing around and I wandered on this one stage where I was just kind of like flipping things and you know moving my snake around, and then finally I triggered something, and... I uh, freed one of my friends who looks like me. You know, it's like kind of like all your friends are kind of like these little snake sperm looking guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, a little, um, a little like a storyboard animation pops up and it tells you like what the, your friend's name is. And it has like the storyboard is sort of a uh, little like, um, like comic book boxes of how that creature got there and like what it's been doing there. Like, you know, I guess it's kind of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, but it's it's sort of interesting. Um, also, throughout the levels, you have these little eyes that are like part of the background graphics. And the eyes are usually closed, but if you run over them with your character, the eyes will open up. And these don't serve any purpose other than if you collect, I think, 130 of them. If you not collect, but if you open them up. Then you get a trophy for that. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with beating the game. But when you're first playing the game, if you don't know this, then you, you wouldn't know. Like, you would be like, well, is this something to do with the puzzle? Or, you know, what are these eyes all about? Um, it doesn't, doesn't, they don't tell you anything about it. Um, you know, one of the things about this game is that I like about it is that it has a lot of personality. Mm. Every level is very unique. There's one level, like, where you're in an amusement park. One is like, um, like almost like a farm there's one underwater in this kind of like weird abstract um like kind of like these bubbles that expand and it's hard to explain it's it's very it's very um psychedelic Mm -hmm. there's a lot of color in this game the music's really good there's tons of detail there's like these little people like running around like all these little people have like little personalities um uh overall i think it's pretty good um, even just, even just to check it out for the graphics, um, the, I mean, if the downside would be, if, if you're very frustrated with games that are very cryptic and sort of don't give you direction on what to do, mm-hmm. um, then this is probably not a game for you. Um, this is something that you might want to just 
put a little time into it. Um, like, there were times where I, I was playing this game, and uh, I didn't understand, like, some of these puzzles. Like, for instance, uh, there was this amusement park world, and you have to bring... One of the puzzles of this world is you have to bring all these people to a Ferris wheel. You, you carry them. Like, when you walk into them, they just jump on you, and then you have to, like, drop them off at the Ferris wheel. They mm-hmm. just jump off. So I was like, all right, you know, I figured that out. And then they're on the Ferris wheel, and then I was kind of moving around the Ferris wheel, making it spin. I'm like, oh, okay, this, you know, whatever, I don't know. And I know I played this level for like an hour. I could not figure out, you know, how do I trigger this event that's going to give me my friend? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to refer to like online. I'm like searching. I'm like, well, how do you beat this level? I can't figure it out. And it turns out that you had to spin the wheel, which I was doing, but you had to spin it a certain way, and you had to do it for like more than five seconds. Hmm. I guess I wasn't doing it for five seconds. And then once you do it, then it triggers the the ending. Like, you know, your friend pops out. So it's little stuff like that, that which can get kind of frustrating because there's no hints, there's nothing in this hmm. game. No direction. So it's a bit experimental. Like you, It's all, yeah, it's very experimental. You have to just sort of try different things until something works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because the game itself is very... Um, like, the graphics are so... Uh, they're uh, like almost like surreal, like very surreal graphics, and it's it's definitely it's it's experience. I have to say it's it's not for everyone, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something that I recommend as an experience just to check it out mm-hmm. and see what you think. Uh, I'm I'm sort of mixed on it. I'm like this side of me that says like eh, this game wasn't really that great. I don't know if I would spend the money on it. But then there's the other side of me that says like. These are kind of the games that I feel like people are always asking about. Like, people are always like, oh, I'm tired of Call of Duty, and I'm tired of racing games and stuff. Well, it's like, this is a really original game. This is very different than I ever played. And, um, you know, I can appreciate that, and and the art style and everything that went into it. There's a lot of detail and work. Mm -hmm. So that side of me says, like, this this is a good game. I think if you ever want to show off, like, different types of games to somebody, this is a good example. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it has a lot of originality to it. I'm trying to picture um, what it first looked like. I think I've seen the game in passing, but I haven't gotten a chance to try it yet. Yeah, I mean, this snake is hard to control, too, which I didn't mention. Mm-hmm. So you're moving... You're always moving forward. You can't stop. You can slow down, but you can't stop. And he's... Or she. I don't know if it has a gender. But um, when you move, like, up, it doesn't always control upwards. It's sort of like does an angle, and then if you keep moving up, he'll kind of, like, loop around. So it's a little bit tricky to get used to the controls. And if you pass by, like, because there's no buttons to interact with anything, you moving around an object will trigger an action. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly triggering things on the screen, whether it be knocking over things or, <laughs> um, you know, walk, moving by a person and the person jumps on you, or, like, could be different things. And Sounds fun. So you can't, like, just, like watch the screen and see what's going to happen. Like, you have to always pay attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I got stuck in a few parts. There was a few times I referred to the FAQ just to see, like, you know, I didn't understand, like, even the farm level. I, I, I thought I did that level, like, perfectly. And even re- reading the FAQ, I thought I still did it. And then it turns out, like, I was doing it in the wrong order. It had to do with, like, color matching and stuff. So it's mm. a tricky game. It took me about, even with that, though, it only took me about five hours to beat. Hmm. Maybe a little bit more. There somewhere around five, um, but yeah, it's cool. It has a lot of style. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some images from it. Yeah, it definitely <clears throat> looks um, a little bit trippy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it almost gives me a, a sense of like almost like a paper cutout kind of appearance in some ways. Yeah, it reminds me of that PSP game, that look. Mm-hmm. What was that game with the, when you rotate the screen, little like balls? Oh, uh, Loco Roco. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. very similar to that graphic style. Mm-hmm. And almost that same like fun kind of atmosphere. Yeah, very bubbly, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Going on all at once. Looks like there's like a big. So I, I have happening. to say the game. But when I first started, I wasn't really into it. I was like, this game is kind of annoying. Um, halfway through it, I was like, oh, I'm still not sure. But as I got near the end, I almost wish there was a couple more levels. I was like, oh man, I think I'm ready for more now. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just looks like a long, a big dream sequence, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, I almost wish they did explain some things in the game rather than just putting you blindly in it mm-hmm. because after I, by the time I got to the end then I started learning like how to travel between the worlds and stuff and then it made the game a little bit more fun rather than frustrating and then but at that point the game was over so mm-hmm. okay. wasn't really much more to do do you think do you think there's much replay value there um I'm you know I could see myself going back to it because mm. I, I probably beat some of the levels not even having any idea how I did it just by randomly moving my character around the screen. So I would probably go back to, now that I understand, like, what you're supposed to do and, you know, how the snake moves and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I could definitely appreciate okay. it. Yeah. Oh, sounds like it's worth trying. I think so, yeah. I don't know how much it, it sells for. You know, I don't know if it's like a $20 game. Maybe not, but mm. who knows. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you definitely have it as a freebie, give it a try. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was worth it. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, that's all I played. Uh, did I? I think I, that's all I played this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about anything? Did you pick up anything this good? good um, the only thing I picked up was um, I got a I got a new you know a new game for PS4. It was one of the um, you know the new summer games that they were. Oh, you got in on that releasing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only ended up picking up uh, one title, and it's a game that I've talked about before, and it's something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, and that's uh, Galaxy mm. for um, yeah. This has been on our my list yeah, for a while. Yeah, so this is I didn't buy it, but <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Well, this is by uh, an indie studio called Seventeen Bit. Yeah, and um, you know it's been sort of teased for at least I don't know the last two years that I've been aware of it, and um, it finally came out. Um. And unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, <laughs> just because it hasn't quite made it into my rotation. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm sure to play it soon. Um, it's simply described as a roguelike in space. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard it's pretty hard. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It looks challenging. And we 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 did a play it at PAX the last two years, mm-hmm. and it seemed even more difficult last time I played it than the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 got a very anime inspired look. No, it definitely looks good. It, it looks like uh the anime from, you know, the seventies and eighties that mm-hmm. some people might it's have. It's done almost grown like a T V show sort of. Yeah. I think it's done with like seasons, like season one, episode one. Uh-huh. So. Definitely. Yeah, so yeah, cool. you do have to try to make your way through each uh successive season to survive. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> so yeah, looking forward to checking that out. Uh but that was it for me this week. Uh, cool. How about you? Anything interesting? Uh, I, I didn't find any games. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I spent quite a bit of money on a Transformer. That, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sort of budgeting myself now this, this month. Is, this, this, is, this is a recurring theme, though. Uh, yeah. 
Tell me more. Just just when I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sold all my 80s Transformers, but they're releasing new ones still. So, so I, I, there was, it's Devastator. It's this a box set. It's uh, It's got all, you know, six com- Constructicons and... Mm-hmm. It's about $150, which I'm ashamed to even admit that I spent that much on this thing. <laughs> I don't even have room for it. It's in a box, though. You know you know what it is? I, th- I feel like because some of these Transformers are so... Um, I'm not going to say they're limited, but just the window of opportunity to get some of them right. seems fairly right. small. I know. That, that's the annoying part. And you don't really have the luxury of pondering it for too long. You really can't. No, I can't even say, well, maybe I'll see if someone wants to get it for me for Christmas or something, because it's not going to be around. Yeah, it's going to be hard to buy, even if it would, even if it did stick around. So, you almost have to just get it while you can, and then decide if you need to, if you can, uh, if you need to keep it or not. It's ridiculous that <laughs> that's how it works, but it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, the, the it's, I don't remember it being like that when I used to collect in, like, the 90s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. I felt like you could wait Three yeah. or four months before you buy something, or even more. Like especially like favorite characters, yeah. or, you know, well-known characters that you would think you'd be able to go back and pick them up anytime. Mm-hmm. You'd think they would want you to be able to drop one hundred fifty dollars anytime you want, but they they make it. I don't know. Maybe I know. maybe that's how people are willing to spend that much because I, I think a lot of it has limited. to do with yeah. I, I think scalpers buy a lot of this stuff because mm-hmm. they know. They, they purposely want to short, like, um, you know, make the store sell out of this stuff so they can resell it at a higher price. I, that's my opinion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, I I don't know why I did it, but I did. So <laughs> now I'm paying the consequence because well, I'm over my, my toy budget by a lot for the month. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you'll at least... Now that it's in your inventory, though, you can decide if you want. Right. So I could always return it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I picked up. All right, that's cool. Uh, so I guess we have time for a couple of other things to talk about, really quick. Yeah, I guess I'll make it quick because this uh, we're kind of kind of went on quite a bit here. Uh huh. All right. Do we have anything good in the news? So there was one prominent story that that I thought it was worth talking about. Um, there was a story about a um, Nintendo employee. Mm-hmm who, uh, by the name of Chris Pranger, who made an appearance on a podcast called Part-Time Gamers. Um, but unfortunately, as a result of his appearance on that podcast, Nintendo uh, let him go. Ended up losing his job over his appearance, or I don't know if it was just the fact that he appeared there, or just the things he said, mm. um, what he talked about. Um there was a lot of different discussions there. I mean, I think it sounded like he was somebody who worked in, um, I don't know, uh, game translation for the most part or localization. Yeah, I think it seemed to be what his what his mm-hmm. uh, what his responsibilities were like. So he just gave some some behind the scenes sort of insight on how some of that stuff is done. Uh, I thought a lot of it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, he talked about uh, you know things like. Uh, like, you know, what kind of troubles they had to sort of bring some games to the U.S. in terms of the kind of decisions they had to make to, to yeah. you know, convert them from Japanese. Um, you know, things like Wind Waker HD, he mentions. He talks about um, how some of the verbs that were used in, in the Japanese version that required certain actions were different from the words that you would expect in English. 
So some words were the same kind of words that we, you would use in, in the Japanese version, but in English, you would think of as different words. And somehow there are different actions on, this, on the menu. Um, those are the, the kind of con- conversions that were required, because I think this was like an early demo version of the game, and they hadn't quite changed a lot of the menus. All they did was kind of translate the text. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he just, you know, explains how some of the things uh, work there. Um, even talked about, um, you know, some of the decisions that went into um, Smash Brothers, the most recent Smash Brothers game, and, uh, you know, what it's like for the producer to make that game, how committed he is mm. to putting out, like, a game like that, and how he doesn't want to let anyone down, and yeah. and so on. Um, but, you know, some I guess some of the negative things that came out of this story were um I think some people took exception to the way he he responded to some criticisms to Nintendo. Some people are kind of vocal and they don't like the way Nintendo handles certain things. Yeah. So it sounded like he was kind of mocking some of the people that that uh-huh. were, you know, he was kind of putting on a voice to kind of describe yeah. them. I don't know if that's I mean, I didn't necessarily see it as bad per se. I mean, I don't know. Okay, maybe he's just putting on a voice to let you know that he's speaking you know as as one of those people that are saying these things mm-hmm. um but i'm just wondering like what did he really do wrong what did he, what do you think got him fired do you all think? right so <laughs> you sent me this new story and uh-huh. i did listen to the whole podcast that mm-hmm. he was on right yeah i heard it too and the one all right so there's a lot of factors really for them to make the decision the one thing he mentioned to me, not to me, that they mentioned in the podcast, mm-hmm. was that he mentioned that Nintendo, for a while, they were keeping things secret. But he said, and this is what why I can't really form a true opinion, because he said that um, they wanted him to start like going on podcasts and stuff to start talking more about Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know, keeping it in a positive, you know, saying good things about the company and stuff. And, you know, so I don't know if... It sounds almost as if they wanted him to do this. Well, he, he acknowledges that, that they had a new media policy. Okay. And that, you know, that their policy internally had changed and that he knew there were certain things that he couldn't talk about. Like, they would ask him questions. The hosts of the podcast were asking him different things. Yeah. Like, I, like, they would say, like, I don't know if you can comment on this, but, you know, whatever. He would, they would ask him some game-related question. And it sounded like he knew there were certain things he couldn't comment on. Like, right. Like, so he was holding back in some way. It's not like he went out and spilled the beans on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually, like, in a company like this, you sign an NDA. You can't really... Right. You're really not supposed to do any media at all. Mm-hmm. Unless and, you're... Like, so, like, initially, yeah. when I listened to this, I'm like, oh, this guy's, like, a, a moron. Like, he should have been fired immediately. Like, why did he even do this? Mm. But then when he made that... And like that quote about them doing like that new media, per, you know, right? Um, policy. Then it's like, well, maybe that you know they enforced, not enforced it, but they kind of encouraged him to do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But um, so I don't, I don't really know. Like that's sort of a gray area, you know. I mean, unless you're in PR or but, you're in corporate communications or some aspect of the company whose job it is to talk to the outside world. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think the problem is the way he was talking. This is my impression of it, and, and I don't know this guy, and, you know, I, this is just an outsider's opinion, but um, he sounds like he was the CEO of this company, the way he was talking, the mm-hmm. way he's, like, making decisions, and and the whole time listening to this, I'm like, this guy acts like he's running the whole show there, and, like, I don't, I don't know, and to me, like, the voices he was putting on was very insulting to people. Mm-hmm. 
And, like, I don't get insulted. Like, I, I'm not insulted, even if he was re- talking about me or something. Right. But I could see, like, very antagonizing to that group of people. Because I know mm. how those group of people are. Like, I think he's right with the way he's, like, kind of making fun of those people. Right. But you, it's like, you just don't do that. Right. Like, well, so, so some of the subjects, like, that, you know, involve that kind of a thing where, you know, um, I guess he was responding to people about, like, why they weren't bringing certain games over to the U.S. Uh-huh. Like, why, like, what's wrong with you, Nintendo? Don't you like money? Yeah, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Like, like fans would say things like that. And then... A lot of, like, responding to the typical comments you see on right. any message board. Not even Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. But I think in a very real-world business sense... Nintendo has to sort of look at what's the feasibility of these games. We can't just bring over everything. It costs money to localize these games. How much do we well, think I, we're actually going to get back? I'm not even... Sh- I mean, th- yeah, that's true. I think it's not even a matter of the content of what he was saying. I mm-hmm. think it was a matter of he was kind of picking on, like... I, I think it was done in a very negative way, the way he was, like, wording all that stuff. And I don't think he was... He was probably not the right person to be talking about this stuff. Mm. He, I, I think, I think maybe, I, I feel like some of it's their fault because they should have been like, maybe more specific on what you should be talking about and what you should not be, because he's representing the company, it, it, like intentionally or not. I mean, whether yeah. like, it, like obviously he may not look at himself as some kind of ambassador to the world, but he, I mean, you know, I think listeners might say, well, you're clearly a guy on the inside. You know things. Yeah. Whatever you're saying must be true because you're, it's coming from a source. You like, can't. You from, can't have people like insulting fans, whether or not you know. I wonder if it's that kind of a thing that that they didn't like. I don't know if it was that they. Yeah, didn't. we don't know for sure. We don't. We you know obviously. I mean, he, they didn't he, come. He, I mean, he dropped names of people who worked there. Nintendo didn't, and we don't know. That's typically a no-no. Like you don't do those things, mm. even if oh, they are public figures. Right. <laughs> it's just like you, it's just. I don't know. As someone who's worked in like corporate environments, that's you don't do those things. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I don't know what it's like at Nintendo. Like they might have encouraged this. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they obviously didn't comment on the story, other than to say, you know, we wish him best on we, his yeah, future endeavors. Exactly. <laughs> very right. WWE style. Well, <laughs> that's true. But that's very corporate too. Yeah. Very corporate speak. Like you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like initially. I, like to me, it sounded like that was a bonehead move. Yeah, I would, I had, like that breaks every like NDA that stuff that you sign. And mm. but then that whole like well, you he, know that they said there was a new media policy. Then it sort of had me thinking. He's definitely passionate, and you could tell that. Oh, he's he, a total he, fanboy. He totally <laughs> loved working there, and I, you know, it's like unfortunate that it ended up this way. Um, but uh, you know, in, in a way, though, it's sort of. You know, I'm not going to say humanizes the company because obviously real people work there and they all have their own interests about games and so on. I mean, another thing he did was he d- he did talk a bit about other games that he was playing, non Nintendo games. <clears throat> you know, things that that, right. in- that interested him, that games yeah, that he was- like Demon Souls and some other things. yeah, uh-huh. Dark Souls games. Um, how he wanted a PS4, how he really admired uh, Naughty Dog and the right. writing that they were doing on their games and so on. And as a localizer and someone who was Spending time writing for games, he was a fan of their work, and so on. Yeah. So I don't know if Nintendo takes exception to that, like praising yeah, I, competitors' I don't, I don't games. know what the trigger was. That mm-hmm. It could have just been the fact that maybe they didn't want him on that podcast, and he didn't get right. clearance for it. We don't know. Yeah. I'm sure that's between him and Nintendo. Right. He probably yeah. can't talk about a lot of this stuff. Mm. So, yeah. It was but, just a peculiar kind of a I mean, story. There were points in that podcast where I was cringing with the things he was saying. Mm. I was like, 
I'm glad he doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, 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 all, all it says to me was that he's just very sort of engaged in, in the industry and, yeah. and, and, you know, the uh, games he's playing. I, th- I think it went a little bit over that. I think it was a little obsessive. Okay. I, that's my opinion. I don't know. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, yeah. So hopefully he'll find something um, that he can be equally passionate about. I don't know. Uh, but it was another story that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, this was regarding, uh, a game on Steam, which, uh, Valve, I think, unconditionally offered refunds on. This is, I think, a first for them. Oh, is this that, um, this is that game where it's just like a title screen or something like that? Well, so there's a game, (laughs) there was a game called Journey of the Light. And uh, this was sort of promoted as the hardest game on Steam, you know, like impossible to beat. Mm. Um, And it turns out that it really was impossible to beat. The person that made this game, um, someone who doesn't even have a real name, apparently, or (laughs) just goes by the handle of Lord Cress. Would you buy a game from someone named Lord Cress? Lord Cress, Lord British. No, Lord Cress. Yeah, well... Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, here's the thing, I mean... He's a lord. (laughs) Must be doing something right, right? Well, people noticed that nobody had gotten the achievements for beating Mm. subsequent levels on the game, except the author himself. Okay. And they did some file diving. They took apart the game to some degree, mm-hmm. replaced some of the files, you know, made like level two equal to level one and so on. And they found out that a so lot they of hacked the game a little bit. Well, people were curious. They're like, yeah. wait a minute. I, no one that I know has beaten this game. No one that, you know, like obviously nobody got the ach- achievement to get it done. Mm-hmm. So what's it all about? And, um, they found out that like, there were no subsequent levels in the game. The game was advertised to have uh, multiple levels, but there's not, there was nothing beyond level one. That's crazy. And, uh, <laughs> so it's like it pulled a complete scam basically. Oh, man. Uh, when he was challenged on it, he basically said, Oh, there was some kind of bug. Um, you know, the game didn't go out as I anticipated and, uh, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it, but I'm not feeling too well right now. So I'll get to it, you know. And as a result, the game's no longer for sale. Huh. And Steam has refunded everyone wow. who's bought the game. Um, Good thing they have that refund policy, right? Mm-hmm. Good right. timing. Right. So I guess this is one of those risks of having an uncurated store, hmm. in, in, in a sense. You don't have this, probably the same levels of uh, clearance it's or... crazy. You know, you would get on a console, for example. It makes me wonder, like, how many iOS games and stuff that I download that are like, right. you know, the impossible game, you know? And it's like, I mm-hmm. always think, I just think at it, but maybe it's just, no one gets good at it, you know? I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess it remains to be seen if the game will come back in some way. Uh, it might, but... After he's done making the other levels. I guess so, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so maybe someday you'll be able to play this game in a portable form. Um, really? Yeah, because there's another another story here about a um, handheld Steam-based console. It's a laptop, isn't it? I, you would think, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something called... Uh, well, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Smock Zero? Smock Zero? <laughs> What why why s what's this is this is an it's s like in front smurf of it. world maybe um so there's uh i guess a, a new console coming for a price of two ninety nine 
this is supposed to feature a 720p screen, um, HDMI output, uh, hmm. 5-inch touchscreen, uh, 4G LTE connectivity with, I guess, wow. a Pro model that they're also going to be offering. Um, you know, and various other technical specifications. Um, but, you know, I guess it looks like it's going to have the same type of layout that that Steam controller was designed to have. Uh-huh. Uh, so, what do you think? Does the world need another portable handheld system? Oh, yeah, why not? Steam has got a lot of games on there. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, you wonder, some of those games aren't really made for a small screen, so... Right. It might be hard to read some of the text. Yeah. Shrunken yeah, down like that's that. That's kind of true. That is a concern. But I guess it's kind of interesting, because there's some... Mm-hmm. I mean, the Steam library is gigantic, so... Right. No, why not? It well, never, never occurred to me, like, a portable Steam machine... Well, I mean, there was a time, um, I, not that long ago, probably around 2006 or so, there was, there were a lot, that was kind of a, a period where, like, handheld PCs were sort of talked about a lot. Uh-huh. Um, there was a PC standard called UMPC, uh, the Ultra Mobile PC, um, or it was also codenamed Project Origami at the time. Uh, this was uh, kind of a collaboration between a bunch of different, like, manufacturers at the time. And, um, you know, it was like Atom-based, Intel Atom. I think it was one of the first uses of the Atom processor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most famously, there was, a, there was a system called the OQO, which had like a, kind of like a slide-up screen with like a thumb keyboard underneath it. Okay. Uh, also, the Sony UX line of Ultra Portables was announced around that time. And I don't know, these things didn't really last a whole long time. They were kind of underpowered at the time. And, you know, tablets and smartphones pretty much ended up replacing any kind of a need for something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The last I saw of any talk of something like this was a product that Razer was looking at releasing back in 2011. Uh, They had something called the Switchblade. Okay. Which was a really cool looking device. It had like either, you know, it even had like illuminated keys that you can program. Yeah. Uh, it even got Best of CES Award from CNET that year, but it, ah. I don't think it ever actually came out. I yeah, think it was just showed off, and then are that was a vaporware sort of. I guess yeah, if there's no demand for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was even another product oh. from Razer called the Edge. Um, that was shown, in, like that was like the tablet with the two controls on the side. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that ever came out either, but I think that was a Windows 8 tablet. Huh. Um, so yeah, there've been attempts at this kind of thing over the years. Uh-huh. I don't really know how practical they were or you know and they always they always showed things like um i don't know either like diablo or you know warcraft or something running on them mm-hmm. and, and i don't know it just kind of fizzled it never really went anywhere yeah so i don't know what company is behind all this this is something called steam boy project this was the original name of this mm. and i don't know i think smock is the company name um yeah, I don't know. They mentioned games like Dota 2, Half-Life 2, and Civilization 5 as mm-hmm. the kind of games that are going to be playable on the system. Hmm. That's exactly what I would not expect to be played. Mm-hmm. Some strategy games. Did it say games. about a touchscreen? Did you say that? Yeah. Five oh, in- yeah. Okay. Five-inch touchscreen. Oh, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Who knows? We'll see if that has any kind of impact. I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Something, I guess, something else to look forward to if you're a hardware nut. <laughs> uh, and I guess the other last item that we want to mention is um, 
uh, something that uh, I guess uh, one of our friends Frankie pointed out to us, um, or just pointed out in a comment mm-hmm. on, a, on a particular thread. Talked about uh, uh, Bluetooth wireless adapters for NES. Right. Yeah. Um, this is by that company Eight Bit Though. I think it's called. And uh, they do something, you know, they, they make various, uh, like, Super Nintendo-looking and NES and Famicom-looking controllers. And um, they make a lot of wireless controllers for use with, like, Android systems and other, you know, type of devices like that. But they're, I think this is the first time they've mentioned making wireless receivers for classic consoles. Um, and I guess, you know, the NES is going to be one of them. So you'll have a wireless, a real, not those like really bad infrared wireless, but a Bluetooth controller, which is a great idea. I think that's like, I'm surprised it took this long. You're surprised that there hasn't been like, like wireless receivers for more classic systems to make them wireless. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. But I'm sure there's going to be people complaining because you're going to have input lag and stuff. Sure. Uh, that's always a concern. It's, it's, yeah, especially with Smash Brothers. And <laughs> seems to be a big issue. Well, no mention of. I thought it was a cool idea. Here. I was like, all right, this is the, those eight bit of controllers look pretty nice. I've never used one, but they look pretty good. And the idea of upgrading your controller to be able to do that, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, no, no word on release date yet, mm-hmm. and no price set, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, but it looks like we can expect them sometime around October, based on the comments in this uh, YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are interested in wireless controllers for your NES, I guess this is something to check out. I'm sure, there are people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, but why NES? Like, why not ZX Spectrum? <laughs> ZX Spectrum. Um. I don't know. Why not Amstrad? Uh, why not, uh, you know, like, uh, what is it, DB9 Atari controllers? Because those could be used those, on... Those, yeah, there's a lot those of... Those could be used on many systems. Yeah. Uh-huh. That'd be a good... Okay. At least start with that. In the future, I have a feeling. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, I guess we can wrap things up here. Uh, any feedback we want to mention? Anything uh, worth talking about? I don't have anything in my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find anything in yours? <laughs> uh, the only thing, the only thing that uh, I, I, I saw a comment about was um, um, the story we talked about last time about that PS Plus gift for subscribers for oh right yeah for longtime subscribers yeah five year um, mm. kind of you're getting a prize <laughs> so yeah apparently uh, our friend Frankie uh, qualifies for this prize but he didn't see any kind of notification for it. Mm. Um, so this story originally came out of uh, PlayStation Europe, so it's possible that it was really only uh, European subscribers that, yeah, that, that were going to be getting this prize. Did, that didn't occur to me, but mm-hmm. I was trying to find some more info about it, but it seems like, I mean, he probably has a point, because every time I did look for info about it, it was linking me to a UK site. Right. So maybe that is just a European thing. But you would you would think, like, why would they get something and not, mm-hmm. you know, the Americans? Well, it just depends on what... Or, or the, Japan. I mean, Sony's a Japanese company, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess these regions are operating uh, independently wrong. enough. It is wrong. <laughs> you want to see a prize given where it's due. Yes, even though I, it doesn't apply to me. So. Uh-huh. 
Alright, that's good. You're fighting for... Yes. For gamers' Someone's rights. Someone's got to stand up mm-hmm. for gamer rights. Alright. Even though we're sitting down right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With my feet up. Very comfortable. Very well. Alright, so uh, I guess uh, leave us some uh, feedback on uh, the topics we discussed. Hopefully you've played some of these games and can let us know what you thought. Mm-hmm. And we're on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. We're on Gmail. We're on, we're on Gmail. <laughs> OBBfeedback at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, which we haven't posted at for months. And uh, we're, I think we're on the Google. That's right. Yeah. Like Anywhere else? Worldly- Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Instagram. I'm, I'm occasionally on Twitter, but not really. <laughs> if there's anything you want us to... Uh, you want to comment on here or if you want us to like review anything special or any feedback or anything yeah just definitely let us know itunes or whatever so with that we'll see you next time yep